0: Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor and today we have a guest all the way from London town. His name is Nadir Nahdi.
1: Yo, Noor, thank you so much for having me, man.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for doing this. I'm honestly really excited about this episode because you are basically, if I were to think of a human being that I would associate with culture, it would be you. Like You are synonymous with culture.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, culture was a big part of my life growing up, being a multicultural kid, growing up in a multicultural city like London. Um, yeah. And it's informed everything. It's for my work, my life, my kind of social networks, everything.
0: Yeah. And so really quickly, what is your ethnicity? Because you're from everywhere. So like, why don't you break it down? <laughs>
1: okay, so yeah. So my household is very mixed. I am yeah. part Pakistani, part Yemeni, part Indonesian, part Kenyan. Um, oh,
0: casual, super casual.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, for me and my sister, you know, figuring out what we were was very confusing, but at the same time, when people ask me, do you feel like more than one than the other? That's a difficult question to answer. I think we grew up in a house where my parents kind of balanced that cultural, uh, scale very delicately. And we felt equally the same with all of them.
0: That's amazing. So, At home, what language do you guys speak primarily?
1: Um, So English is kind of like the lingua franca, the kind of common language that we speak at home. My father speaks Arabic and Swahili. My mother is actually a second generation Brit. So she, after the partition of Pakistan and India, she came to the UK when she was about one. So actually, Urdu she understands, but my mother always kind of grew up hearing English and she could never Mm -hmm. really articulate herself in Urdu very well. And then it was like, she had her own psychosis in which she felt very embarrassed to speak Urdu. So she doesn't really speak Urdu. Okay. So Urdu was absent growing up. So I don't speak any Urdu, unfortunately, which is pretty sad. Indonesian, I've picked up later on in my life. Um, and it's something I'm intent on perfecting over the period of time. Um, and and yeah, so I, I speak Arabic as well. I speak bit of in Indo. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I yeah. didn't realize that you spoke Arabic until I was telling, I was complaining to him about my tooth issues because I'm a baby and he was like, <laughs> and I was like, wait, you speak Arabic. Cause when I met you, we, I mean, obviously we spoke to each other in English and I feel like you told me that you speak Arabic and it's now coming back to me like, yeah, wait, he does speak Arabic.
1: Language is really interesting to me. And like the reason being is that, you know, once you are kind of have a hyphenated culture or you are multi-ethnic, Um, language is the key to tap into those resources, right? And growing up, I never had any of those. So what's interesting is that when I was growing up, Soheeli was very difficult for me because my understanding of it was very bad. Mm -hmm. And I look back at that in hindsight and it's really interesting because, um, I always felt like I was kind of an observer on the periphery of what was happening within this cultural framework specifically mm-hmm. in this, in, specifically in this context, Swahili, my family would get together and they would have all these jokes and laughter and it all be in a language that I kind of could understand, but was very difficult to string um, meaning towards the kind of random words yeah. that I knew. And that was very difficult because these are my family. These are people who are like my cousins. You and want to ambassies. connect with them. Yeah. And like, you know, so much of personality is conveyed through language. So if you're not able to articulate who you are to the people that are close to you, you can feel very estranged and very distant to someone of your closest family.
0: That's why babies cry all the time because they're frustrated because yeah. they yeah, can't. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> "Why do you not understand me? Like I'm very clearly making noises." But no, seriously, like watching a baby trying to communicate is exactly that. Like they're trying, and no yeah, one can understand point. them, and they get super frustrated. Um, but do you speak Swahili now?
1: I mean, like it's, it's definitely got better. I think, like, I, okay. I, I, had an, I had an intention when I was younger to learn all the languages of my ethnic heritage, which yeah. was a very big ask. But yeah, <laughs> but so in my mid-teens, I actually made like more so than any other pe- any, uh, any other person my age. I made a real active effort to kind of try and learn them. And the first had, and the first language on that kind of priority list was Arabic for me because there was a kind of like r- spiritual, kind of religious significance to it as well. So then like, yeah. I went I went and learned Arabic. Swahili so was probably the one I kind of knew more naturally than the others. So there was already kind of like an, uh, a foundation in Swahili. And then Indonesian, I've, I've become very good at because I spent a lot of time there. Um, but, um, but yeah, I still have Urdu to kind of try and navigate.
0: I honestly, I grew up raised around a lot of Pakistani and a lot of Indian people. And I find that Urdu is actually very similar to Arabic in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, like,
0: I I can pick up on what people are talking about for the most part, like the essence of the conversation. And I mean, I don't speak Urdu, but like it's something about it reminds me. It's very reminiscent of Arabic.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, like you, I think all the languages that I'm part of, that are part of my heritage, there mm-hmm. is an underbelly of like uh, similarity because they are kind of you know uh, as a result of like Islam spreading through the region, yeah. Indonesia, Yemen, Pakistan, and Kenya are role on the perimeter, the perimeter of the Indian Ocean, right? So the way I kinda like to see it is that like I'm a product of the Indian Ocean because these countries yeah. were in constant communication with one another. There yeah. was a, there was trade, there was like a transfer of culture and food and 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 heritage, that you do see the similarities and the consistencies wherever you go. And that's really interesting to observe as well.
0: So I uh, wait, I have a question. we is, is your ethnic background are you any part Indonesian or did you just decide you wanted to go to Indonesia? You might've already said this and I've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: so, so my, my dad's mother is Indonesian. So, gotcha. uh, um, so I'm part, I'm part Indonesian and I've spent over the last three, four years, I've spent a lot of time there. Like it's this place that I particularly connect with. Um, yeah. I am, I'm, I'm not 100% sure why, but there's kind of just like a, I also, I, I didn't really know my my Indonesian grandmother that well, And I think there was an added incentive to kind of maintain and preserve this cultural heritage within me. Otherwise, if I didn't, then it would probably die out in the future.
0: That's actually really beautiful. And I mean, I kind of understand where you're coming from when it comes to that, because I mean, I lived in Malaysia for four years and I feel like Indonesian culture and Malaysian culture are extremely similar in a lot of ways. And I connected to Malaysian culture so much when I lived there. And I mean, just everything about their culture is so calming and peaceful and beautiful and they're very spiritual people. And it really resonated with me. And also uh, when I, when I lived in Malaysia, I was able to pick on, pick up on Malaysian language, like really quickly. I'm actually really sad that I don't really speak it at all now as I got older. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, I haven't spoken it in over a decade
1: probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: but if I remember correctly, Indonesian and Malaysian language is very similar
1: very similar i mean like the, yeah. the whole region the whole region which would have been malaysia singapore indonesia yeah. uh, it's yeah. called Nusantara, Nos- which is um basically before colonialism came they would have been part of the same um people and they are still Mal- malayan people but uh, there is a huge similarity in culture and language um and and yeah so and food <laughs> and everything. But like, I look back and I think the reason why I love, and I spent a lot of time in Malaysia as well. because I Yeah, got friends I know. I'm those. super
0: jealous. Every time I see you there, I'm just like, what? the <laughs> It's an thought?
1: incredible place. It's literally, and I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Like, why do I resonate with this place so much? And I think, yeah. I do know, maybe you can kind of like vibe with this, is that a lot of the kind of insecurities and um, the obstacles I had growing up here in the West, in London, A lot of it was tied up to this idea of being a minority um, Mm -hmm. and the kind of migrant complex and the heaviness that comes with that. But then when I travel to the East, there's a completely different experience, right? Being who you are isn't the essence of who you are. You're not in in a state of constant apology for having to prove your existence. You are part of like the the majority. Um, And even when I meet lots of creators and people who are creating things in that region, it doesn't come from a dark place. These are people who... Um, you know, whenever we create something, it's all about resistance. And we were like, Hey, like we're migrants and it's all about like asserting our voice and like believing we have a right to say X, Y, Z, but over there, they don't have that heaviness or that burden. Um, so when they create things, it comes from a completely different place. And that's very interesting for me to observe as someone like born and raised in London, because it's a completely different experience to mine. And I always wonder as us in the West, like, what would that look like if we were to bring kind of that light that lightness to to the context that we were born and raised in.
0: That's actually really interesting. I have never thought about that, but like as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, yeah, that's that's very accurate. There is a certain lightness to everything that they do. I feel as though they have more of a relaxed lifestyle. It's not to say that these people yeah. aren't hard workers. It's not to say that these people you know don't get shit done. They do, but yeah. there's just something about the environment that's much more peaceful. And yeah. in turn, I think that is reflected through how people interact with one another. Yeah. And there's also this certain level of respect, I feel, for everyone that's very common in, in those places where it's just, there's no judgment. It's much more of a judgment-free area. And I feel mm. like in America at least everyone is judging everyone constantly. Like it's just literally this huge judgment zone where everyone is just staring at everyone. Everyone is, you know, creating all these opinions about one another without even really knowing each other. And I feel like that's something I never experienced Living in Malaysia at all, which is why I think I loved it so much. Everyone was just incredibly respectful of your background, your culture, your interests, anything that you spoke about. They were respectful about it, and I think yeah. that that's very rare.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. I think, like, I mean, I don't want to like romanticize what it, the, you know, Malaysia and Indonesia, <laughs> since like they're the perfect places because there are they have their own set of challenges. Of like, course, but yeah. like, I guess what I was trying to kind of insinuate is that like the things that they are great at is a completely unique thing for me to experience coming from where I come from. And like, yes. I like a lot of it's kind of like to give an analogy or just kind of give a bit more specific examples for people who might not understand what I'm talking about. Like, you know, a lot of the uh, insinuation of growing up being a young ethnic minority in the suburbs and being Muslim, for example, there are certain things you don't associate your community being like, for example, in terms of, the cool pecking order of London, usually Muslim communities aren't quite up there in terms of they're not making the most dynamic art or they don't operate in the coolest of spaces because being a migrant in London is tough. And a lot of the kind of priority for them was survival and, and a lot yeah. of it was just kind of like trying to make their kids thrive, etc. But you go to the East and like the same kind of dynamism and cosmopolitanism and creative innovation Young Muslims are doing that in Malaysia and Indonesia Mm -hmm. innately, and they're not thinking about their identity as an obstacle or a hindrance to do that. It's just doing. And like, you know, it's just so liberating for me because so much of like my existence is tied into this idea of having to assert who I am in a space or maybe not feeling like I deserve to be in a space because of the world that we grew up in. But over there, for them, it's just the norm. It's just normal. They They can't relate to me. And yeah. then the kind of psychosis that I have, because their experience is completely unique, and I benefit a lot from that. And the idea of, of me traveling there often is: how can I take the kind of benefits of living in that kind of context and bring it back with me to the, to the worst.
0: And on that note, I really want to talk about yeah. Benny or Benny sure. Club. What, what's 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 the official <laughs> title? Is it Benny or Benny Club?
1: so it's Benny so Benny has like uh, we, we recently started something called the Benny Run Club and uh, are yeah. gonna be some other things that kind of branch out of Benny but oh, we're gonna talk was-
0: about Benny Run Club we're, <laughs> I mean I, I I've never had a, a need or an urge to run in my life and now I feel as though maybe I might start running I don't know it's very uh, like I feel like I need to run because I don't want to I don't know yeah girl that's right
1: good <laughs> plug so I have to basically to give context behind what Nora just said I had like this kind of motto which is basically like um, I didn't want to. And that's why I had to. And literally it's turned my life a little bit upside down in the sense that a lot of the good things in life that you should do, you probably don't want to do them. And there's a huge kind of mindset that comes when you're able to like get over the fact that you don't want to do it, but do it because you know that there's a benefit in it.
0: Yeah. Like I'm telling you, there's never been a moment in my life where I've even considered (laughs) running. Like the thought of running to me is just like, oh, cool joke. (laughs) Like, yeah, sure. I'm going to be And like watching you every day running, I'm just like, I think I need to start running. I mean, I've heard that it's very, you know, therapeutic and it feels really good. And you know, all the endorphins and all that good shit, but I'm just like, I think (laughs) I have to start running now. You've really influenced me to want to start running.
1: Well, don't get me twisted. I'm not going to like put cotton wool over people's eyes. I I hate running. I hated running. (laughs) And like, just because I started a run club doesn't mean like I'm one of those obsessive kind of like run junkies who's kind of like watching yeah. up KMs every single day. Yeah. That's not the case. The kind of, I don't know whether you wanted me to talk about it now before talking about Benny, talk about like,
0: whatever you want, go into okay, it.
1: Cool. So like, like the whole Genesis behind Benny run club was that yeah. growing up, um, especially in ethnic minority communities, physical um, exercise was never high on the list of priorities. Right because Mm -hmm. there were certain cultural restrictions girls find it very difficult to get involved you weren't Mm -hmm. encouraged so a lot of the kind of mental um, benefits that can be derived from physical exertion were alien to us we didn't like benefit from that now arguably our communities are going through some of the biggest health mental health issues we have to navigate complex identity issues in a politically hostile environment constantly having to question who we are and assert who we are to the people outside of our communities and that's a lot to take on on every day for 25 years 30 years four years now what running has done for me in the context of my own anxieties about my career about my life about my future and where it's going was it was a moment half an hour every single day where i had to literally sit with myself and sit through pain Well, not when I say pain, but like a light discomfort, (laughs) Yeah. but I had to confront the deepest, darkest questions on myself. And over a period of time, three, four weeks where it was, it was was difficult to build that habit. When it became a habit, it became so incredibly liberating from my, it it was just like a breath of fresh air. Like it, 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 my anxiety levels went down, my stress levels went down. And it was, I was, it, it gave me that focus and that discipline to focus on what I needed to focus throughout the week. And I was just kind of like, I wonder whether like the rest of my community would be able to benefit from the same way that I have in this case. And, and I started running Run Club and now the actual running of Benny Run Club is inconsequential. It's about the community. You turn yeah. out for each other, right? And like the running is so slow. It's almost like to describe it, it's probably a little bit more than a power walk, a little yeah. bit less than a job. Okay. Right, But so the idea is mixed ability. We all start together and we all end together. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, of course, there's the physical benefits of it, but there's also the kind of uh, endorphins that help your mental health, et Absolutely. Um, But the fact that your community are turning up for you every single week is a beautiful thing. And like, mm-hmm. you know, especially in this metropolis city is like building community is very difficult, but if running, if a, if a run can be the hook to bring people together so that they can communicate offline, that's powerful. And I'm really That's like in the healthiest
0: it. group hang I've ever heard of in my life. Like
1: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, people, when you came down, you know what we do? You came down, you visited yeah, us. Yeah. We do is I mean, like go to the Shisha Cafe yeah, and like yeah, you yeah. Know, Shisha, and that kind of stuff.
0: That's literally I met you in a Shisha cafe. I've never got like I'm not really big into Shisha, but I realized that in London specifically, it's like a thing. Like it's like a part of the culture of these young Muslim people. It's like, yeah, we go to a shisha cafe. And it's it's a different energy in the space than it is I find in Shisha places in America. Like if I lived in London, I would be more inclined to go to a Shisha place because it's just yeah. a place where young people get together and they yeah. have a great time. Like in America, that's that's not the vibe that you get. It's like creepy guys staring at you the whole time, which I'm sure happens everywhere. But I feel like that's that's what I associate with a Shisha cafe in America. Yeah. It's like if I want to be feel harassed, I should go to a shisha cafe, which yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, 100%. Look, I don't
0: want to be harassed, you know, And
1: it's the, it's the same in a lot of other countries that uh, a lot of other countries that I've visited, yeah. like Germany, there is a kind of CD kind of connotation. Yeah. But like the shisha cafe in London represents an incredibly interesting thing. Like I'd love to do a video about it. I'm planning to hopefully one day, but it literally is the Muslim or ethnic minority yeah. pub, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, the, it's basically the kind of, Place where where they can come. It's their place. It's a safe space. There's a little bit of vice, but not enough for them to feel bad about it when they go. A little bit of vice, yeah. But but like it's it's a communal thing. You bump into people you know, blah blah blah. blah. And um, it's literally like every weekend they'll be full of people. And on that spectrum, you have the really fancy ones, which are really Mm -hmm. bougie, and blah blah blah. blah, blah. Uh, And on the bottom end, you have the really shabby ones, which are the really like. Uh, Lay down and relax and chill ones, but everyone Did you has say the shabby cafe. ones, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they all have that like they you know they all have their like yeah yeah, yeah, everyone has a shisha cafe, and it represents a huge communal uh get together for people around and it 's actually really sad because in my world, the reason why I started Benny running club also was to provide an alternative space that was outside the shisha cafe, Yo, let 's like we can kick it and do something a bit more kind of pro, uh, proactive and healthy <laughs> with our time and also hang out and yeah, um, but yeah.
0: No, that's actually really, really cool. That I, that like honestly, I I feel more comfortable in America going to a bar than going to yeah. a shisha cafe. I feel yeah. safer and more comfortable there, which I feel like sounds insane saying it out loud. I'm like, that's actually really crazy, but I genuinely feel more comfortable being in a bar than being in a shisha cafe. But
1: that's crazy. Uh,
0: I know, and. I just, I remember I went to, and I'm not a big shisha smoker. And I went to, to the one place in London and I had gone the night before to the same place. And I wanted to go again the second night because it was just so fun. And I mean, I, I, you smoke a little shisha, you drink some tea, they have delicious food. And like, there's just a constant, I don't know, there's a really good energy there. And it also just feels like a cool space for young people. And I, I really feel like There's really no place like that, at least where I live in Florida, and even in other places in America. I feel like you know, if there's a shisha cafe in New York, it's basically a club, and I'm like, that that's not a great place to have conversation or spend time with people. Yeah, so but
1: like like, I actually think like uh, yes, it plays a role in society today, but I actually think it's really like it's a sign of uh, it's it's quite a negative sign as well because the ideal would be that there would be like lots of different types of places for us to like hang out on a Friday yeah. night right yeah but the Shishi cafe has become like the uniform thing to do and, and and the assumed point of hanging out for everybody yeah. but like for me like you know a large part of what I wanted to do in the future was build like a kind of like alternative cafe or like yeah. or some sort of hangout where people could come and chill till late at night because in London most places shut up like um, 12-ish if they don't sell alcohol, right? So how are we building spaces in which these people feel welcome and safe um, and that they can hang out to the wee hours in the morning?
0: Yeah. No, I definitely think that that, Is something that people really, really need is like a space where they can hang out, which doesn't already exist. Maybe they don't want to go to a bar or a club or anything like that. And they should also have a space where they can hang out with their friends if they want to stay up late on the weekend. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, I know for me, like on the weekend, I don't go out at night because... Quite frankly, I don't want to because of because yeah. of the options that I have. You know what I mean? Yes, I'm like, if some yes, if people so. want to come over to my place, that's fine with me. I'm more likely yeah. to have friends come over to my apartment than to go anywhere on the weekend because yeah. there's really no... I don't want to go to a club. I'd rather put a bullet no, in my you. head than go to a club. Yeah, like, yeah I man,
1: I, get, I totally get you. You know, like London, London. the thing is London is so expensive that people yeah. either have reasonable flats or they're living with their parents still. That's true, and that's that, true. And that's part, that's part of the problem, right? Like the part of the problem is that London can be very inaccessible for for people unless you have like a huge wallet yeah um and that that is definitely a barrier a barrier to that
0: yeah i i will say in london i did find that the price of food was cheaper than i thought Um, but I did, I did shop a lot. There's a lot of great shopping in London. So that really, that really fucked me up because I had to bring a whole (laughs) new suitcase home with me. But yeah, I love, I honestly, I love London so much. I feel like it's such a diverse place. I think America's diverse too, but I feel like London, it's like, everyone in one spot you know what i mean like it's not 100%. like you have to go to this area to see these types of people it's like everyone is just in one place all the time and yes. i thought that that was really cool
1: thank you so much oh yeah. my god whenever i have this conversation with americans it's so annoying because they, <laughs> they always they always try and tell me uh, but we have new york and, blah, blah, blah. No, and i'm no. like i'm like no. it's different it's I'm different to t- it's- i mean like it's totally like you kind of, the the diversity in New York, yes, it is a diverse place, but the dynamics of the city and diversity are completely different.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Opinion. I mean, and anyone who's saying otherwise is just in denial because yes, I mean, New York is objectively a diverse place, but it's a different kind of diverse. And yes. I mean, London, like I, I couldn't walk into a restaurant or anywhere without seeing like just immediately upon first glance, like twenty different people from like different cultures. Like you can just it's so visible and I feel like everyone is comfortable yeah, wearing their cultural clothes with Yeah, I don't, exactly
1: I don't you see, see Uncle, that in New York. Yeah. No way. You see Uncle in the stove, you can see like Show kameez yeah. you see some like, Senegal uh, in his beautiful kind of uh, vibrant colored world yeah. as well. You see everything in London and people are kinda of proud to kind of floss it. And I love that. Yeah but, like I, for example I was in I was in New York recently and like people just like I don't know. Like I was in upper Manhattan and it felt like the literally like the whitest area. Oh, yeah. I, you know, and it was it just completely like, I don't know. It just felt like I was in a different, a different city at one point.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, New in New York, there that's the thing. You can go to Queens and you could see a bunch of Arabs and a bunch of older Arab guys wearing thobes and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, you have to go to a specific street. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not just everywhere around you all the time. And that's something that I really appreciated about London is that Mm. you, I mean, as a woman who wears a hijab, I, for the most part, don't give a shit if people are staring at me, but there is something to be said about being in a place where there are so many other people who look just like you, that does kind of give you this extra level of comfort. Like, you know what I mean? Like I feel, I can feel comfortable anywhere, but I'm obviously going to feel way more comfortable when I, can see other people who look like me. There's something comforting about that. There's something that makes sure. you just feel a little bit more like, yes, I belong here. And yeah, exactly. London definitely is is a place for that. Like, I, I after I went there, I was like, why have I never been here before? This is such a cool place.
1: Yeah, exactly, girl. And you're always welcome to come back. We love you. You know that.
0: Oh, uh, I I mean, I am probably gonna come back. It's just a matter of when. So I'm definitely gonna take you up on that. And it's so funny. It's like I'm already mentally preparing. I'm like, I'm gonna go to London and I'm gonna smoke so much shisha that's literally (laughs) i i have not smoked chicha since i've been in london like literally like i I,
1: I hope you come for different reasons as well but yeah sure i am coming for
0: different reasons there's actually a really cool live music scene in london like i i went to like two jazz clubs randomly and like saw amazing live music and i feel like that's another thing that's I feel like in bigger cities in America, it's more common, but living in Orlando, we're more of like a touristy area. You know, we have Disney world. It's not really like a music scene, but like, yeah, yeah I sure. can't just go walk into like a jazz club on the weekend. Like that's not a thing.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, that's part, I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate that my parents decided to come and settle in London. Cause I think about like people who are moving into London mm-hmm. and it's very difficult. Like it's, it's, it's a high rent city. It's, you know, very limited space um, and available apartments. And I'm just very lucky that it's my home. And, yeah. Uh, I think I am a city boy, as much as I love nature escapes, etc. Yeah. But to be to call to be able to call, I think probably one of the best cities in the world, my home, is an incredible privilege.
0: Um, you were born in London, right?
1: Yeah, born and raised. Born
0: and raised. Born and raised. Okay. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about. I remember when we met. You told me that you used to work for the UN. Did I make this up, or is this a real
1: thing? This is true. You do listen. <laughs> As much as you, as much as your I, face as much as your face told me otherwise, you do listen. I, I, was, was, like, I was like, this girl ain't listening. <laughs> She's like, cool, cool. Yeah. You know, you keep nodding your head as if you <laughs> the question just you question. Yeah, uh-huh. question.
0: That's just what my face looks like all the time, but I promise I'm listening. Oh my god. But yeah, so you worked uh, for the UN. Tell me how did you get started working for the UN and what were you doing?
1: Yeah, so my my kind of like stint in development was was short, but definitely impactful. I when I graduated from uni, I did politics economics and okay. then I did my master's in international relations. And that was my trajectory. I kind of thought, Hey, I'd love to do like development work or humanitarian work. And I ended up in Jordan for a while. Then I had this internship at the UN and then it turned into a real job, um, with them. And it, a lot of it was working in the migrant crisis at the time. Syria mm-hmm. just had this huge, um, refugee crisis and yeah. they were flooding to Jordan at the time. So a large, a large part of my work was kind of dealing with that. Um, and then I was there for a while and then, it was tough. It, it, it was, it was incredible because I felt like I had the job that I wanted. So yeah. early on in my, in my age, um, it was frustrating in other ways, feeling like, uh, you were part of a, you were clogging a wheel of a huge international organization. Yeah. And, um, after a period of time, I really struggled with it. Also, a lot of my world was very creative. The people that I socialized with, yeah, creatives and lots of, and I kind of just felt frustrated that I wasn't able to like, yeah, cause it's more of an office be. job. Yeah, I mean, yeah. exactly. I mean, I mean I, there's field work and there's office jobs, right? Yeah, and I, I was yeah. fortunate enough to, uh, have, to have a lot of field work. Oh, but like, ultimately there was there, there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, field work, which was really frustrating for me. And I just kind of felt like there were a lot of, like I tried, there were lots of times where I tried to be creative about the work I did, but a lot of it was kind of shut down. And that really frustrated me because I kind of felt like, you know, a dinosaur organization at the UN, it can yeah. do with the creative injection that, you know, that young people at the time were trying to do they weren't very responsive to that so that kind of initiated my move away because i kind of felt like i wanted to do something creative where i saw the impact of what i was doing um in the humanitarian space um and i started i I started flirting with like photography and, and videography and then and then and then yeah just kind of veered off from there
0: and i mean i've seen your photography it's actually really beautiful like i was on the the. so okay oh, nice. i have a question a lot of the photos are are people taking them of you or are you taking them of yourself
1: no girl i have to put it on like a tripod
0: yeah no but like i was looking at them and i was like wait a second like i went on the benny website and i was looking at a bunch of stuff and then obviously on instagram and stuff you post beautiful imagery and i was like I have a feeling that he's taking these photos of himself, which is insane to me because Thanks, they're man. stunning. And like, yeah,
1: so mix, it's a either, mix. It's either I put them on a tripod and I run, or I get like a stranger and I give them a crash course about how to use my very complicated camera uh, in, a, in a very obscure place in the world, like a village of Indonesia or something. Perfect.
0: Awesome. So yeah.
1: I just, I just pray that they don't run away with my camera.
0: That's also the first fear that I have if I ever ask someone to take my picture is they're going to fucking steal my camera. But then also there's something super for me personally, I take a lot of photos. It's really frustrating to have someone take a photo of you who doesn't know how to take photo and you like have to be both the eyes behind the lens and then also the person in the frame. And so I've gotten a lot more into using a tripod to take photos of myself because I'm a tyrant and I'm like, I can do this better than, you know, I I, want to be in control. Control of my photo of myself, which is yeah, just 100%. super type A personality. It's yeah. like I want to be both the <laughs> cameraman and the subject of the photo. Um,
1: but do you? But do you? Do you do it in really public places where people see you doing that?
0: That's the thing. I haven't really graduated to the level of confidence of taking it to the streets. It's mainly in, in my living room. That's where I take <laughs> photos of myself. But I've been dabbling with the idea, but it, not in a super public place. Like maybe like behind like a grocery store. You know what I mean? Where there's yeah. not really that many people maybe the the odd van that's going to drive by and look at me like what the fuck is that girl doing like that's yeah. that's going to be the next step but being in the no, middle bro, of a I crowded have no place shame. i,
1: I have mean have no shame now <laughs> I'm i just mean, like <laughs> You know what? I'm in like this obscure place and I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm not gonna see any of you guys ever again. That's true. Like- You're never gonna <laughs> see them yeah. ever
0: again. Yeah. My thing is, yeah. is like, I could easily run into people anywhere I go because I've lived in Orlando for so long. And I'm like, I don't yeah. want someone that, and there've been times where I've been taking photos with someone <laughs> taking photos of me on the side of the road. And people are like, did I just see you on the side of the road taking photos? And I was like, yes, that was me. Like. <laughs>
1: Good girl, get it. You yeah, do you. I'm, I'm always of you. <laughs> on
0: street corners taking photos, yes. That's me. Um, but thank, you, God,
1: thank God you finished that sentence. I
0: know. Like I'm always on street corners. That's me. Mom and dad are no, so you proud. Know,
1: yeah, exactly. You made it. Yeah. You know what it is? I like, I do, I like, I, I do a lot of my, my videos. A lot of, uh, they, they're vloggy at times. So yeah. there is a lot of self, self shooting of myself. Yeah. And in the beginning, that was very difficult, especially because I came from like a world and an industry that was very serious and yeah. like academic funny fingers. Um, so to have to transition, um, into like filming myself in the street yeah. where people would look at you and be like, what the hell is this person doing? Was really like a kick in the teeth uh, a lot of the time. And especially when you don't have anything to be like, this is worth it. When you don't have like an established YouTube channel. Yep. Like, if you're a big YouTuber, it almost makes sense. You're like, okay, yep. cool. He's a no, YouTuber. Blah, I've blah, thought blah,
0: blah, about blah. exactly this a hundred times. Like it's different when you have this large platform because you're like, I'm yeah. doing this for like so many, people. like it's fine. But like when yeah. you're, when you haven't, establish a platform yet there's something about it that makes you feel a little insecure because you're like what the i'm such a fucking weirdo right now
1: exactly and people are looking at you like uh what a loser or whatever yeah. or maybe you know you maybe you internalize all of this but either way like it was tough and then yeah. I, used to, I used to literally just go to like the busiest street in london take the battery out take the card out and lift my camera out and start talking to it and just practice practice like that feeling of oh my god these people are looking at me and then over a period of time it just gets easier
0: No. And I, even with like your Instagram stories, like you are literally talking to the camera. I can see it's like a busy place. And even for me, I mean, I I'll talk to my camera, but for the most part, it's not like in the middle of the street because people stare at you. Like you're crazy. Even though I feel like it's so common. I mean, we live in 2019. People are vlogging everywhere all the time, but people still will stare at you. Like what the fuck are you doing? And I mean, I, Do you feel uncomfortable? It's not that I feel uncomfortable. I just don't like it like i just feel like why can't everyone just go carry on with what they're doing why are you so concerned with what i'm doing it's like i'm just annoyed like what the fuck is your problem so i'm more likely if i start recording myself talking and someone stares at me to just put the camera down and give them a really dirty look like fuck you stop looking at me
1: um, oh, and- let's, unpack, let's unpack that noah <laughs> what is that what is that what is that saying about you
0: i just don't like people staring at me
1: is it? Are you afraid of judgment?
0: I'm not afraid of judgment. And it's, I'll tell you why it makes me angry. It's because it's never women, it's always men.
1: And, I was literally just about to say that. Yes.
0: It's always men. And they're always kind of just looking at you in this way where like, you're putting yourself on show. So that gives me the right to just fucking stare at you. And I'm, it just grosses me out and it makes me angry. And I'm just like, yeah. don't look at me. Like I'm de- filming I, myself. This isn't like a invitation for you to stare at me. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No, I do get that. I, I definitely think there is a gender, gender power dynamic at play. Like, yeah,
0: exactly. I feel like
1: women, can it's a lot harder for women to get away with being absurd or to being a bit quirky, yeah um without without being judged let, as being like weird or let whatever. me
0: ask you this, do you ever get cat called when you're taking photos
1: um not in the same way that a girl would. Okay, definitely. so
0: in what way? I'm I'm interested to know because, I mean, I'm constantly getting whistles and just like, yeah, girl, and like stuff like that. And sometimes it's from women, which that I appreciate. Girls will say things like, work it, and like, yes, girl, and like, yes, queen, and like all of that, which yeah, just yeah, makes yeah. me smile. But like, guys, the shit they say does not make me smile. So how are you getting catcalled?
1: Yeah, I guess like... <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe I'll talk about it. Right now. But, like, if, if someone was to say something nice to me, like, I was in Uzbekistan, I actually put the video on my Instagram. Yeah. So that's, that, that's a good example because it's pretty funny. But I was walking through the souk and I was filming myself. And then this old lady in one of the souk stores was just like, I was like, she whistled and she was just like <laughs> say, saying something in Uzbekistan. It, it, was, it was Uzbek. And the person next to me was like laughing. I was like, what is she saying? She was like, she's calling you beautiful. She's calling you beautiful. And I looked at her and laughed and she kept calling me up to her store. And then she like was hugging me and wanted to take a picture with me and oh. stuff like that. And I was just like, I was just like, oh, like this is the sweetest thing ever. Yeah. But it's different, right? And ultimately it's different because it's it's power, right? Yeah. So like when a girl, when a girl says it to you, there, there isn't a power dynamic there. Yeah. But when a guy says it to a girl, he's not realizing what his presence is makes you feel in yes. that given moment. Yeah. Right. And like, you, it's of course you aren't, you no, know, you're, you are insecure that you're filming yourself. It's, it's, no. it's, it's, you're, you're, you, everyone is like, everyone is like, Oh my God, I do I'm just going to walk into this restaurant and start filming myself in front of everybody. Yeah. But you to highlight it in yes. that moment and to say something inappropriate, yeah. basically you're shoving your like, uh, your, 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 your right mm-hmm. to have an opinion about the given moment into that person's face and that's not cool and, that, and that's what—that's exactly what power is
0: And, and exa- 100% I think that's thats why I'm annoyed and that's why I always end up just giving that person a dirty look because I'm like yeah I fucking see you it's annoying stop doing it you know what I mean that's what yeah. I'm trying to communicate like uh, okay I, I can see that you're staring at me it's making me uncomfortable please stop doing it um, yeah. and for the most part that to them they, they're usually really taken aback because I think they expect me to shy away or like just start giggling or something like that. I think that's the expected result. And so then when I give them death eyes they're like, oh shit, she's probably gonna no, I would not
1: want to mess with yeah. you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> See mess and that's all, that's girl. what i was saying look at my face does it look like i am someone that you and i still to this day shocks me i'm like do you not (laughs) see my face does this look like the face of a girl who wants you to fuck with me because i promise you (laughs) you don't um but then my friends are like you're you're like five foot three you're like a tiny little arab girl like you're not as scary as you think you are and i'm like damn damn it." it
1: No, they're the scariest. What are they talking about?
0: <laughs> you're don't a fucking rocket.
1: You're, t- you're a total pocket they rocket. They don't know
0: enough Arab girls to know how scary we actually are. I think that's what the problem is. <laughs> they're not cultured enough to understand the real fear they should be feeling in that moment. Uh,
1: you, know what, you know what, Nora? If you ever need someone to take a picture of you, just give me a shout. Yeah,
0: Thank please. you. I appreciate that. And that's that's the thing. I also I think that I'm an ally. I'm
1: an, I'm an ally.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. That would have actually next time I come to London, there are some spots that I want to take photos in. So I'm gonna unless you're like in, I don't know, like Jakarta or something casually. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're just traveling all the time. How do you not absolutely lose your shit? Like what are what are you I, doing to not lose your shit?
1: Uh run.
0: <laughs> okay, so running, <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs>
1: No, no, no. It's, it, you know what? Like, I, it's a very weird situation. I lo- I'm love. i very fortunate in yeah. which over the last two, three years, I travel a lot. Um, and it, it is incredible. It's an incredible experience. Of course. And, and I feel like I have homes all over the world in which there are people that love me there and I can go and live a different life wherever I go. Um, but it does, man. I've been really struggling with it recently because it, it really does spread you thin. Yes. Not just like physically. Like, yes, it is a physically exhausting thing. Mentally. Um, you, got, you like, yeah, but like, like your, your, your insides are tired yeah. from the movement and, and, and the altitude and the flux. But also like just in terms of the relationships that you build with people around the world, emotionally, it's extremely exhausting. Yeah. like you, you, It's like the best analogy I can give is like you're spinning a lot of plates on little thin poles yep. and you're trying to keep them all spinning at the same time. Yeah, And that's what like maintaining relationships with people around the world are, but also the space in which you become very invested in. Um, I, I, feel like I live multiple lives yeah. and I wonder if it's a blessing, but at the other end, it, 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 it's really tested my mental strength and like how I, you know, I it definitely get like, I definitely get really like anxiety when I think about like all the work I want to do and all these multiple spaces and how invested I feel in all of them. Um, but at some point you need to start thinking like, you no, know, is this, is this kind of sustainable in the long term?
0: Yeah. No, because I mean. I, I don't I definitely don't travel as much as you do and I do think that traveling is a privilege and getting to experience all these cultures and these countries and everything, it's it's amazing and it's it's not like I would ever turn it down. But at the same time, when you're traveling to so many places, especially kind of back to back, that's when I find it's the most emotionally draining. And for me, at least I'm, I can be an extrovert, but I'm also very introverted and I need alone time to decompress. That's just something that I need for myself in order to be a functioning human being and not be kind of on edge or feeling anxious. And for the most part, when you're traveling, you are around people and it is, its and, and I say this in the most non-negative way, but it's exhausting to be interacting with people all the time and, and listening yeah, to them and hearing them out and all that. To be doing that while also being in a different country, in a different time zone, different altitude, all of that together, it it really, for me, it really fucks with your head. And like, yeah, no, I just... Like,
1: oh.
0: Yeah, Sorry, no, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, it just I mean, like, makes me want to take a nap forever. <laughs> like, just a really yeah, long nap.
1: Yeah. Girl, it's just because you're old, that's yeah. why. Hey, you're down. 30
0: now too, aren't you?
1: <laughs> no, no, not yet. Whoa, don't baby out like that. Not yet, people. <laughs> I'm not that yet.
0: You're I'm almost out. 30, okay? I'm
1: almost 30. Hey, you're almost 30. I'm right? already
0: 30. It already oh, okay. happened. You, <laughs> you met me when I was young, a young 20. 20- <laughs> Nine year old. Oh, and now I'm an old 30 year old lady who on a Saturday night, I was literally like, it's Saturday. And I was like, hey, can we record it at this time? But honestly, in my mind, I was like, how early can I go to sleep? How early can I record this so that I can still go to sleep?
1: at a respectable time yeah
0: like at a respectable hour where like i i won't be judged too hard um and you're like it's saturday i'm going out like i'm trying to and i was like fuck god damn it you and your socializing and being a normal human just wait till you turn 30 you're gonna be like oh 7 p.m perfect that's a perfect time for me
1: You know what? I forgot what I was even going to say before because now I'm just feeling really emotional about being 30 almost.
0: there's Honestly, I I will tell you, as a 30-year-old, as someone who's been 30 for a while, a few months now, it doesn't change anything. Like, no, you know, I heard
1: it's actually, it's an ease. I heard it's an yeah. ease because the, all, all, all the pent up anxiety about being 30 goes away.
0: And that's the thing. I think that society has created this weird stigma around turning 30. Like you're just, your life is going to change and blah, blah, blah. And like, you have to have accomplished X, Y, and Z before you turn 30. And I think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes from is like, what have I accomplished? I'm turning 30. What yeah. have I accomplished? And you know, I just feel like all of it's complete bullshit. And there is a sense of relief when you turn 30 because it's like, yeah, nothing has changed. Everything is exactly the same. And um, everything that everyone told me was a lie because all that's changed now is that I can pretend to be a lot older. Like in my few months of being 30, I've never said I'm an adult more in my entire life. Like I'm just constantly telling people like, listen, I'm an adult. Okay. Like It's, it's, it's over. And you feel, that's the one thing I can say. I actually feel like an adult for the first time in my life. Like, I don't feel like a, a lady baby, which is what I normally feel like, like just, you know, like a child trapped inside of a woman's body. (laughs) Like I actually feel like a woman for the first time ever. And there's something really liberating about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. But what if you just want to be a child forever?
0: I mean, that's what hanging out with my (laughs) parents is for. Like, oh no, I'm definitely a baby around my parents. I'm just like, mom, can you, you know, can you play with my hair? Like, Baba, can I put my head in your lap? Like, I'm a fucking child around my parents. Like, literally, I'll just complain about the dumbest shit in the entire world. And my parents will be like, oh, poor, poor thing, you know, um, a little bit of eye rolling, but still get a little bit of empathy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Like, ultimately, I don't don't really care. I think I'm very lucky that I have parents which are very like, even in their age, they're very young hearted and young, young minded. My dad's a big, basically like he's an older version of me and really like, (laughs) like since I was younger, um, I've always had a problem with this idea of that. Like as you got older, you um your your kind of desire to live life at its fullest got less and less yeah. which i think is just kind of like a ridiculous notion because i actually think the opposite for me like life is so rewarding and there's so much out there to benefit from that i just want to be in a constant state of appreciation for it which probably instigates why i travel so much mm-hmm. right and like a lot of people come up to me and they challenge me saying yeah but how are you going to build a family in that context you know how are you going to meet someone in that context and i'm like look, like ultimately, like I want to be with someone who thinks in the exact same way. Yeah. Like my, God. like the idea of being in a monotonous, routine driven, um, day to day life, like frightens me, yeah. it terrifies me. Um, And I'm just trying to avoid that as much as possible because I just think that You know, life is the greatest gift we've been given. And I would love to live a life that kind of celebrates that in in its entirety.
0: And I I agree with you to a certain degree that as you get older, I feel like mortality becomes much more apparent. And in exchange, you want to do more because you're like, how much time am I going to have left to do what I want to do? So I want to do everything that I want to do right now. You know what I mean? It kind of gives a more sense of urgency (laughs) experience things and achieve things that I feel that we take for granted a little bit more when we're younger because you just feel like I'm so young I have endless amount of time but I mean I kind of get the same thing from a lot of people it's like you know you live your life in this your lifestyle is like this how do you expect to meet someone and start a family but I'm of the belief that if I'm going to meet someone it's going to be meeting them while I'm doing the things that I enjoy to doing you know what I mean so like
1: does does that support you
0: uh, I mean, I think that a lot of people roll their eyes a little bit, but I mean, for the most part, everyone is like, all right, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, no, sorry, go ahead.
1: Have you, but like, does, I mean, does the prospect of like, maybe not meeting that person um, frighten you?
0: I mean, there. I, th- I think it comes in ebbs and flows. Uh, for the most part, I r- I'm a weird person. I like being alone, like in a weird way. Like the thought of having to share my space with someone annoys me. Um, so, <laughs> so for the most part, no. But then every now and then, you know, I'll be... I don't know, I'll order a new shelf online and I'll have to build it. And I'll be like, would be really fucking nice to have someone to help me build this shelf right now. You know what I mean? Like, and then in that I moment, it's just it starts, for that. Yeah. And then just, just
1: for that. Reason. Yeah. Like I
0: would really like if someone could build this shelf for me, but then it's just like, I, you know, I freak myself a little bit and then I'm like, you know, I fall into this dark hole of, Oh my God, I'm never going to find anyone. No one's ever going to build a shelf with me. I'm going to have to build shelves alone for the rest of my fucking life. And then I'm like, right, okay, Nora, just Relax. You're not gonna have to build a shelf alone. If anything, you could hire someone. Okay, there. Yes, the, you we you, like you so. can hire well, someone. We can, nor yeah, uh, we, can
1: pay, we, we can, can pay. for your husband. there's money
0: yeah. for. Oh, oh my god! It, literally, like my mom told me the other day, she was just because. As much as my mom isn't the typical Arab mom who's obsessed with getting me married, I feel though now that I'm 30, she does feel a little bit of a sense of like urgency, like let's get this show on the road. You know what I mean? So she's she's been dropping hints here and there and she's just like, you know – Trying to, I feel like trying to manipulate me in a way that you would manipulate a little child. But I'm like, Mom, I'm 30 years old. Like, I can see right through this. She's like, Don't you want to live like a nice life and like not have to worry about paying for things all the time and blah, 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 blah? And I'm just like, Mom, getting married is not a solution to financial comfort. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, 100%. And also,
0: getting married is not a solution. At the end of the day, I don't, I've never viewed it as a solution. To me, the idea of finding someone to live the rest of my life with is like, it's so much deeper than, than this superficial idea of, okay, now I found someone I've checked off this box. I'm going to start a family with them, check off that box. Cause I mean, if that was the case, I would be married right now. You know what I mean? Like not to toot my own horn, but like I could, I could get it if I want to. So
1: (laughs) yeah so like, like, damn girl okay yeah. all right
0: like, i don't want to just fucking marry someone just to say okay i'm married and then live this you know to what people consider to be like a normal life i i, I don't yes. really want that
1: yeah exactly and I, I like and i and i don't mean to i i maybe a lot some people who listening to this might feel like it's like, what we're saying is like preachy but in the sense that like you know what like ultimately the kind of conclusion that i come to all of this is that Ironically, some people might think that I don't take relationships and marriage like seriously, and yeah. actually, I believe I'm taking it very seriously. Yeah, and this is in a context where I kind of feel like today I come across more unhappy marriages than I do happy ones.
0: I know it's really um, a bummer, honestly.
1: Yeah, and like, what is the root of that? And I ask myself, and like, a lot of the situations is people have rushed in to get into something that they yeah. never really knew what they were getting into. They don't know enough about their partner about certain things, and I agree. You don't, you never really truly know anyone mm-hmm. enough. But ultimately, all I can do is control myself and the person that I want to be. And the conclusion I've come to is, um, I have, I know what expectations I have of myself to be the best partner and and father. Um, and until I'm ready to be that person and compromise elements of my own life, then I won't, I won't indulge the thought. I won't, I won't. I i'm not ready for and it i think that and I,
0: it's healthy to take it that seriously and not just be like oh yeah. everything is just gonna fall into place i'm like who, who are the fuck are these hippie dippy people like things yeah, sometimes exactly. don't just fall into place
1: 100 you know why i think that's irresponsible really as well i think that's irresponsible because in the context of having like children yes. in the future children who don't ask to be born yes children who have no agency in that process Unless you have taken the context in which they are born and raised in very seriously, I actually think you're doing an injustice to the way that they're going to be raised. A hundred
0: thousand percent.
1: Like, yeah. And if I, if I look at a lot of, a lot of my friends and, and, and yes, it's a generalization of some, some sort. But like a lot of my friends who are struggling either with mental health or going through some sort of traumatic experience right now. A lot of them come from broken homes. Mm-hmm. They come from like some sort of abusive households um and and things that have started very young which manifest later on in life of
0: course and 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 i mean those traumatic experiences that you have when you're younger they will they will stay with you forever it's a constant you know situation where you're just trying to deal with it for the rest of your life and it's not going to just disappear one day that it's just constantly trying to heal from this traumatic event for the rest of your life
1: yeah, exactly. And like that's me taking it very seriously. So much so to the point where if I'm not the person that can build a holistic environment for my child mm-hmm. to grow up in, may, maybe I won't have children.
0: Yeah. And
1: like and I'm just saying that hypothetically no, like, I I would love but to and I'm looking forward to I, it. But I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. But like I've just accepted that like I know what it takes to um um be the best partner and best father possible. And until I'm at that point where I'm ready to be those people then I will not indulge it. Yeah. The, the possibility still exists that I might not even get there. Then I think my next priority is to think that maybe I don't deserve to be getting into an, a relationship at this point. Yeah.
0: In time. No. And I, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And like, just to play the devil's advocate for a minute, like I also think that it does work for certain people to just kind of pray for the best and kind of just jump into a relationship, especially in more, um, Muslim families, I think that there's a lot of women that I know who can do that and they can adapt to it and they can be extremely content being with someone in a very pragmatic kind of way where they just grow to love and care for this person. I just think that it takes a certain type of person to be able to do that. And I think one thing about myself that I can say pretty certainly is that I know myself well enough to know that I could never be that person. Like, yeah. I have to really feel as though you're the right person for me to build a life with in order to make that commitment. And I've often dabbled with the idea of, do I have commitment issues? Is it, is it something that you know I'm harboring inside that I haven't reflected on yet? Do, do I have an issue with committing to someone? And it's not, I've come to the conclusion, it's not that I have a commitment issue, it's that... <laughs> Like you were saying earlier, I have certain expectations out of myself, but I also have certain expectations out of a partner. And I don't think they're mm-hmm. unrealistic at all. I just think that, you know, there are certain criteria that I would hope to have in a partner. And until I found someone who fulfills that for me, I'm fine being on my own. And I've even, you know, being a 30 year old woman, which I'm still very young i i have thought about the idea of you know what if i don't wow. find i don't if i don't find someone i have no <laughs> issue with adopting a child and and being a single mom like i don't i wouldn't have a problem with that because what is having a partner going to do yes it's helpful but at the same time unless that person is a good match She's for me adding. Yeah. And then then, what am I doing to this child? I'm not creating the sure. right environment for them. And I think that that's more important to me because I do want to have kids, but I don't want it to just be in this hostile environment or an environment where your mom and dad don't love each other. Like, I don't think that that's fair either.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I a hundred percent agree with that. I think like, you know, I'm really glad, I'm really glad to hear you say that. I think there is definitely a difference in experience between me and you because of the whole gender thing. Yeah. Like, like I, I think women have like an incredible, more difficult time, mm-hmm. um, with this question and me and my kind of maleness and privilege, <laughs> like I'm able to like push this question a bit further. Oh, oh uh, definitely. Down, yeah. Down yeah, yeah. Um, but then some real, yeah. Like some real question marks, um, uh, uh for women and then, and, and this question, but it's not easy. And I, you know what? Like I have a lot of friends who are girls, a lot of friends who are girls and they're always asking me why you never introduced me to someone? Blah <laughs> like, It's kind of like, I'm like, you know what? Like, it's, it's, it's a good question, you know? And like, I really feel like I know more dynamic women than I do men. And like, I genuinely- I agree with
0: people. you. I fully agree yeah. with you. You're like, shocker, yeah, no, <laughs> shocker that you agree. But no, I feel like there are so many amazing women and not as many men to match that. No offense to your gender. Nah, I'm
1: like- <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, no, not can <laughs> But like, I, I, I genuinely feel that. And like, I, you know, I think, I think men are in a particular situation right now. And to be honest with you, I think the more women who aren't willing to compromise, the more men will start have, having to question themselves why this is the case. But, um, if more women kind of compromise and marry women who, or marry men who aren't, um, on their level. Yeah. And I don't think men would get the picture, but it's just good because I think men, men have a lot of questions asking themselves. That's
0: actually a great point that you made. You're absolutely fucking right. That yeah. For, for as long as I've known, I've seen friends and acquaintances and lots of women, marry men who I'm just like, what's happening here? And it's not even from a superficial perspective at all. It's just kind of like, what? Like you are a well-read, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, well-educated, cultured person. This is just an example. And like, you're marrying some dude who like, you know, right? is not going to be able to have a conversation with you about any of your interests. So what are you actually doing here? And what ends up happening is the woman just has to compromise these parts of herself. And that's one thing that I've, tried to communicate to my parents, which even though I feel as though my parents are very educated, very intelligent, very open-minded people, because they're from a different generation, they have trouble kind of mm. understanding it. And they don't really think it's as important as I think that it is, which is that I know what my the best qualities are in me. And I want someone who can appreciate those things. And my parents are just kind of looking at me like, what like that's who cares like you know what i mean i'm like i i I want people to appreciate this part i mean they're like who the fuck they're literally just looking at me like nor who the (laughs) fuck cares like no that's dumb like and and these are people who are highly educated and very cultured and have traveled and lived all over the world and they still are just like my dad is like 73-year-old Palestinian guy. He's like, yeah, no, no one fucking cares more. Like no, no <laughs> one cares about the books you've read or the jokes that you make or your sense of humor. You just marry someone who's a good person and then you have kids with them and then that's your life. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I refuse, which yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really think that my mom in her mind thinks eventually I'm just going to give up i genuinely think she's just like oh eventually she'll just get over it but unfortunately i am my mother's daughter and i'm extremely stubborn so i will never give up
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i have have a little sister so like in some way like i'm i'm asking myself on her behalf as well i'm kind of like you know i wonder who she'll end up with because of course i wanted to end up with someone who values her respects and loves her and someone who she finds attractive as well and I can't even think of anyone remotely like it's bleak you know appropriate yeah exactly so like it's tough it's not easy and like you know ultimately like the the reason why is because like we come from such unique experiences and worlds in which all of us are having to navigate like the culture at home and the culture outside of the home and then our careers and the kind of trajectories that we see ourselves going navigating all of that simultaneously and then finding someone on a similar enough trajectory to yours in which they can either go with you simultaneously um it's difficult it's freaking difficult no, i'd be very- attracted to them at the same time yep. like it is asking a lot
0: i feel like and the, this won't
1: be, this won't be- for
0: women though we have an ability that i don't think men have no offense but like we can even yeah. if we're not attracted to someone we can become attracted to them if they have the right Yeah. If they have the right personality. Men are more visual. Yes. Men are definitely more visual than women are. And that's why for me, I, it frustrates me when people are like, Oh, what are you looking for? Like a, like a guy who's like super hot. I'm like, absolutely not. I don't even care about how they look. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like I, I don't have unrealistic expectations. I feel like I have very mediocre, if not like at this point low expectations. And they're still Nora not met. She will take anybody, yeah, guys.
1: She will take can you, anybody. Can you breathe? So if you just if you just leave a comment below <laughs> yeah, are, and if you're interested, Nora is literally scraping yeah, the bottom of the line. Right and now, that's guys. what it
0: feels like. And even at that level, I'm still like, what the fuck? Like even at this level, I'm still struggling. So I'm just like, what do you want from me, guys? like come on but yeah I mean men need to get their shit together you need to that's what you need to do Nader you need to create a Benny men's club where you teach men how to be human beings can you do that for me can you create a, a, a little club
1: I got it girl I, you know what? i'm still figuring it out myself so i feel like a bit of a fraud like, <laughs> front lining the the archetype of what a, man, most, a modern man would look like you know
0: but like when you talk <laughs> i don't want to punch you in the face which i feel like is, is a is a good sign um
1: so uh, i find i know a lot of people that will think differently yeah. to you so
0: <laughs> oh my god yeah i i just am like it's it's shocking to me that men just no, don't know how to speak to women like it's 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 which is like a whole other topic but like it's kind of become this comical thing i genuinely feel like men what are you lighting i need to know are you just lighting thousands of candles
1: oh shit can you can you hear (laughs) that are you just lighting this is, my, this is my what is this microphone and this was my idea as well
0: uh do you mind if i use my yeti microphone which if you guys don't know it's a very fancy microphone i do not have a yeti microphone. I would love a yeti microphone i'm sorry no no, no sorry, you know, i was just it's not it's, it's i was not. burning
1: <laughs> I was burning my self-respect uh, after this oh, conversation. Oh, okay, gotcha,
0: gotcha. Just, just, just a, little, a little self-respect. For, like, you're going to have to deal with every man you know after this being like, what the fuck, uh, bro? Like, why are you yeah, outing exactly. us? Why are you outing know, us? Sure.
1: No, but like, right. I feel
0: like self-awareness is important in men and not enough men are self-aware. And that's why I'm like... Yeah, I definitely uh, No, I was yeah. just going to say, that's why you need to teach a class in self-awareness. That's That's what you need to do. <laughs>
1: You know, I, I, it's something that I'm really interested in. Like it's something that I'm constantly questioning myself over. Um, and I think about my particular experience, you know, while even going back to the Benny running club, that was one of the subtle intentions behind it was to cultivate a space in which men can come in to an environment and see women just as more as objects or people to lust over. Um, especially in the case of doing something physically strenuous where you have to support the other person can you cultivate an environment where a man can establish a relationship with a woman where he sees her as someone who is equally vulnerable as he yeah. is and how can he support her in her journey to reach the end right and these are a lot of subtle lessons that can transfer into the real life which is a lot, again running can do and help and help with but that's one alternative environment to provide men to learn that awareness and that emotional intelligence right i love that but so like, much I'm s- but like, I'm super interested in that. Like, like ultimately going up um, in our communities, we never had spaces in which like there was enough cross-gender interaction to cultivate that vocabulary between each other, right? Yeah. Um, I was very lucky. I, 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 my mother is a very empowered, opinionated authority and, and, and she always drilled in me how she felt women deserve to be treated and that made an impact on the kind of work and the way that I kind of facilitate my uh, social relationships with women Well, a lot of men don't have that yeah I mean honestly you need to wa- high five
0: your mom because she she did a pretty good job I will say I would like if Thank I met you, her I would kind. really high five her because I'm like lady you I feel like she's really instilled in you this respect <laughs> for women and it's very it came across the first time I ever met you you're very respectful to women and even through having oh, thanks, this conversation so with you and and using your platform the way that you do it's very apparent that that was something that was instilled in you at a young age, and I don't think that Sometimes happens that, often that, enough. You know what I mean. So your mom did a great job. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's very kind yeah. of you, and uh, she she probably be. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she she um she, uh I, I, like, again like it's it's a it's a kind of core of what like our family is about, and and um, I just think it's really important to kind of build spaces in which like men can can start to learn that as yeah. well. Um.
0: And I also noticed that you're terrified of your mom, which I feel like is very important for sons to be terrified of their mothers because you recently dyed your hair platinum blonde. Is it still platinum blonde? (laughs)
1: Uh, It is still platinum blonde. And you know, I like the fact that I was able to do it anyway, was quite a ballsy move. Like I did it. Uh, My mother, the thing is I have a relationship with my mother where, um, we're we're, we're, we're definitely friends in a weird way. Like we're friends and like we confide in each other emotionally. And we talk about each other, uh, talk about things with each other. Um, but ultimately she is my mother. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, yeah, um, yeah. and and as an opinionated woman, of course, like her she can be very like authoritative in that. So I dyed my hair in Berlin. It was very whimsical, spontaneous. Oh, I was in Berlin. Was, you know that's
0: very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's very Berlin <laughs> to just dye your hair platinum blonde and then wear all black. When in
1: Rome? When in Rome. Yeah, 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 I am, yeah. when in Rome. But I was just like, you know what? I'm bored of my face. I've been staring at the same face for 29 yeah. years. I want to do something. I haven't done anything crazy. I don't have any piercings, yeah. tattoos. I've had the ha- same haircut for 29 years. I was like, let me do something crazy. So I dyed my hair. And then I was like, holy cow. Like, <laughs> it was really cool. And then I realized the realization that I have to yeah, go home. You're
0: like, my mom my is mother. going to see this.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then when I got home, it was like this kind of like foreboding sense of like, this is the end yeah, of my yeah. days and um i got home and ultimately uh my mom thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever, <laughs> ever but she was just like whatever it's your life do whatever you want to do yeah, yeah, yeah. so she just i think she's more given up than anything oh, than isn't me, it? So. Isn't
0: it just like the the most relieving thing but also hilarious when you realize your mom is just like i fucking give up on you like what is wrong with you why are you doing like i could just imagine if i dyed my hair platinum on my mom blonde my mom would just be like are you bored? Like, are you really bored? Yeah. Like, do you have nothing better to yeah. do with your life than dye your hair a platinum blonde? Uh, yeah, exactly. Have you been using a it wasn't shampoo? that bad.
1: I have. You know what? My sister, my sister has been really, I, I kind of dyed it thinking, cool, that's it. No. But then my sister was like, no way. And then my sister was telling me all about it. And by the end of the conversation, she kind of put her hand on her heart. She was like, I always wanted a big sister. <laughs> So, there was a bit there was a bit of a moment where i was like damn that's uh, that was that's, heartbeat, really, heartbeat. that's really that's
0: <laughs> really hilarious your sister sounds like a lovely person and i i think she's very funny <laughs> but yeah you have to do a, when you dye or, or bleach your hair there's a lot of maintenance that comes with it like lots of root touch ups, purple shampoo deep conditioning your hair so oh, that it doesn't fall out God. like it's a it's a um, commitment
1: my hair's dark. My hair was dark, too, yeah. So they had to bleach it twice. So my hair after, like, it literally felt like, hey. Did you do it guy? yourself
0: or did you go to a salon?
1: No, I went to a okay, salon thank because God. I had no idea how to bleach <laughs> um, it. And it was like, and then they bleached it once, but the tips were still a bit yeah. orange. And then they bleached it twice. It was supposed to be gray, but because my hair's so dark, it came out like a grayish blonde. Yeah. And then uh, and then uh, and then they, they just told me that I had I to come back in six weeks. If I want to get a true grave. But like it was just it was a wild process. I'm happy I did yeah. it. You know what? I think it I looks better with dark hair. I know that. But I'm happy it's a look. because it's just refreshing. It's a look. And, yeah. and
0: okay, I, I also understand the whole I'm tired of looking at my face all the time. Like I've been wanting to bleach my eyebrows like just fucking white. And everyone was like, Nora, Nora, why would you do that? And I'm like, listen, I can't, if I bleach my hair, no one will be able to tell. But I've wanted to bleach my eyebrows for as long as I could remember. But I'm also (laughs) a little terrified to do it because I'm just like, then I'm going to have bleached eyebrows.
1: you're gonna be like a hijabi elf the yeah, more literally
0: and that's all i can think of is fucking legolas like i'm going to be the hijabi legolas and i'm i'm not Love i don't have that. a problem with that orlando bloom is a very attractive man so i would be more than you happy it it. to look like legolas but yeah my sister is just, <laughs> uh, my sister is insane she's constantly just like texting me like do you want to go get your lip pierced and i'm like absolutely not and she's like oh man and i'm just like she just constantly wants to get piercings i i'm not a yeah. huge piercing person but I really do want to bleach my eyebrows, and maybe, maybe seeing, watching your bleach story will inspire me to eventually just.
1: You know, you know, it was really crazy. I lost about like five hundred followers from that. Really, and I was like, it sounds really superficial for me to even complain that's about so that. Crazy. But it was just really interesting. It was just really interesting. I was just like, I was like, what? I was like, that's quite. Cool. A lot of people equate that. A lot of people were worried about me. But, uh, a lot of people were like coming up to me and like, "Hey, are you okay?" Like they were worried that yeah. like I was going through some sort of like calamitous mental breakdown yeah, yeah, yeah. And a like lot of times people base. associate
0: like a drastic change in the way you look with like something terrible having happen, happened to you but you could also just like yeah. want to change up your look <laughs> yeah
1: why man. is that not also an option yeah, but
0: did anyone tell just, you why they unfollowed you was there a reason for it like or did they just
1: a lot of a lot of kind of religious ah. kind of um yeah, yeah. Moral uprightness yeah, 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 and all that kind of what, stuff. But it was just kind but of but like, like
0: what even leg do they have to stand on? Like where does it say in any religion that a man can't bleach his hair? I
1: don't know. But I feel like that's was, not a you thing. Tell me, that's but that's
0: not a thing. I can I, I can tell know. you with full confidence, not a thing. Well, like...
1: I told him, he said, it's henna. It's, it, sure, yeah, it's, just henna.
0: <laughs> it's like henna, but like more chemically, a more chemically henna. Um, dude, yeah, that's what cute. you should do next. You should put henna in your hair and just fucking be a, a redhead. But then no one will trust
1: you. Because... I'm still, I'm still, I'm, I'm enjoying the privilege of being a blonde. Yeah. Dude, do they have more fun? Dude, man, people think, people people don't know where I'm from now. <laughs> you, you think they were confused before? No, they're just kind of yeah,
0: like... I, and you can tell me a thousand times what your ethnicity is. And I will still forever be like, but are, what, what are you again? Cause you're like, I'm half this, I'm half that. I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. I'm just going to start throwing. I'm like, he's French. Yeah. He's, he's, he's this, he's that. You're, you're a little, you're German now. It's fine. Whatever.
1: I'll take it. I'll take it. I do speak German though. FYI. Wait, what? The,
0: okay. How many <laughs> languages do you speak?
1: <laughs> well, I dabble in German. I speak a bit of, okay. So Arabic, a bit of Indo, English, a bit of German, uh, a bit of Swahili casual yeah. super
0: casual all very yeah.
1: like like weird languages they're not like french Yes. Yeah. german like they're kind of coolish cool no yeah i mean popular. i don't know
0: many people who speak swahili so that's that's pretty sick and then also like i feel like i want to start speaking to you in malay so that i can kind of remember like literally like my, it's actually really <laughs> sad to me because i could speak malay fluently and then I just stopped speaking it because no one spoke in Malay. And like, I, I remember the songs, the lyrics to songs, which is super weird because I was a, really into nasheeds when I was a child, which for those who don't know what a nasheed wow, is, they're nice. like Islamic songs, yeah. like religious songs. Um, There was a band called Raihan. They were my equivalent of like the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. Like I was obsessed with them. Like I literally had a poster of them, which I don't think that's what Islamic singing groups, their point is, is to have like a fan base of little girls, but that's that's what they got. And I would just sing these like Malaysian religious songs like all the time. That's just what I was into when I was like nine years old. But um, uh, I also really quickly, like I feel like we've covered a lot about your like, you know, your career and just like a little bit about you, but I also just need to point out because I was stalking him before we recorded this, and you were a model. How did you get into modeling, and why did you stop modeling? And also, you really have a Wait, great. Well,
1: how did you? How, how did you find that I, first? I, <laughs> Tell I me, ha- like, I have
0: I, my ways. I have my resources. It and-
1: <laughs> was like investigative yeah, 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 journalism. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> when I was like, when I was like, eight? No, I think I was nineteen. Was I nineteen yeah when i was about 19 i was um walking through london and um basically the scout had come up to me and my mum and my sister and she basically like introduced who she was and she was from like one of london's um like top five like modeling agencies um called premiere oh and, shit. yeah and she was basically hey like i'm a, like I'm a, I'm a modeling scout and we like we think you're, you know you've got really good look and we'd love to come in blah, 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 and have a chat about potentially new modeling and then my mom, who was with me at the time, was like, kind of like, no way. And then my sister looked at me and I looked at her and was like, here. Yeah. And then I was kind of like really offended. Yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of, me and my mom had lots of conversation, but it was actually really interesting conversations. My mom, of course, was really worried because, you know, my, my mom doesn't like the idea of me being, uh, didn't like the idea of me being um, uh, acknowledge, acknowledged only for, my outer yes. as opposed to the investments yeah. that I'd made in my inner. And it was really she was really not against it. And then I kind of convinced her that like, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't like, have any detrimental impact to who I was and blah blah blah. And then she, after lots of persuasion, she allowed me to kind of like dabble in it. And I got into it. And then and then, yeah, over the period of like two and a half, three years, it literally paid for my university and it was an incredible experience. It was like a really, some of the best friends I made were through that world. And it was also a very unique world that I found not a lot of people could relate yeah. to within my community. And there were a lot of questions that I was asking myself that I felt like I couldn't ask anyone because it was like, they couldn't really empathize with that experience. Yeah. So like when I, when I'm talking about being in a room of like, you know, pre catwalk and like, you're in a room of people who are literally either have little clothing on or very little yeah. clothing and how you navigate that respectfully. And, 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 all that, or someone asks you to do something that you don't necessarily feel comfortable yeah. with. Like as a young man, like trying to negotiate, that was extremely difficult. How and, old were you? Um, again, it was like 19, okay. 20, okay. 21, 22. Yeah. So it was like a side thing. And then like, and then, um, yeah, ultimately I, d- I decided to stop. And, and, but it was, it was, you know what, I, I wouldn't take any of it back. It was an incredibly formative experience, yeah. which I enjoyed a lot. And I still, the people that I've, I I know from that world are, are, are still people who are very dear and close to me.
0: And I, I, I do think that, that so there is something to be said, like about just doing things that take you out of your comfort zone that I feel like help you navigate life a little better just, and, and, and just as it is to be like in different cultures and submerging yourself into different cultures, which I think makes you just a more worldly, well-rounded person. I also think there's really something to be said about putting yourself in a situation that you know kind of nothing about and no one around you can like advise you on it. You don't know what to expect. And then just kind of making your way, it helps. I feel like with your self-worth and independence and kind of just relying on yourself and your own instincts to kind of get through it that i think really just exercises parts of your mind that maybe you wouldn't have, you know, utilized as much.
1: Yeah, i mean like i was in that world, i was very like different and like the people in that world noticed yeah. that. They knew like there were certain things i was willing to get on board with and certain things i yeah. wasn't. But as a result, ironically, like i never wanted to be a burden or an inconvenience to a space or the or people. And like, um, you know, people knew me as like funny thing is the really nice guy, the good guy, because like, I, you know, when there was like drugs on the table, I'd never do it. Or like when people needed dropping home, I'd be the one to drop people home. You were the DD. Um, and that, yeah. And like, and like, these were things at the time, which I was just kind of like, you know, um, I hated to be the one that was like, no, I don't really feel comfortable with that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I party you know i we enjoyed ourselves and that was a big part of my youth and in that world but there were boundaries i had set for myself in which like this is how much i was willing to get involved in this world and at the time it might have been cool for them to all go all out but then slowly these people realized, you know like he's different and people respected me on a completely different level than they did anyone else in that kind of world and people remember that people come up to me and they're just like you know they just they they realize how how crazy that world was back in the day and and, and they they value my friendship with them on a different level because I was able to give something different that they didn't find in that space. Yeah.
0: And I think that's really cool that even at such a young age, you were able to, I guess, avoid peer pressure. Because when you're in an environment where yeah. everyone around you is, I mean, they're models, so they're fucking cool, right? You're around all these cool people yeah. and they're doing all this shit. And it's like, do I want to do this and like fit in and blend in and be cool, quote unquote, too? And I think it's it's hard. And I think that's really good for personality building because and and I, I can definitely understand where you're coming from, because, you know, for a long time, a lot of my friends were not Muslim and they would go out and drink all the time. And I just never drank. And I do feel like once they kind of got over this idea of, not really understanding why I didn't drink when they finally kind of understood it, they really did have kind of this unique respect for me. And it was just like Mm, this, like, wow, you, you created this boundary for yourself and it doesn't hold you back and it doesn't make you unable to enjoy yourself and you can come and hang and, and do your own thing. And it's totally fine and comfortable for everyone. And it made them respect that about me because I never tried to control what other people did. Again, I was the first person to be dropping people off, you know, because they shouldn't be driving and stuff like that. And I mean, I think that being in that situation also really helped me just kind of reaffirm what I already knew about myself. You know what I mean? Like, just no, I, I do feel this way. I don't want to do these things. This is why I don't want to do these things. And I feel good about it.
1: Yeah. And I I think a a lot of people are not, you know, whether it's like any, any kind of work environment that they might find themselves in, a lot of, a lot of people like us are confronted with that dilemma. Um, And, um, you know, um, hopefully we'll navigate it in a way that some people don't, but it's tough. It's it's difficult. Like there are a lot of times that like, you know, there was... It was very, it was, it was just a very weird world, man. It was like, again, you have, you're young, there's beautiful yeah. people around you. You're being invited to most, like the most opulent yeah. places around in town. In London, there's travel, there's glamour. And what was weird for me is that like, despite all of that high life, I went back home to like my suburban yeah. Yeah. house, which was very unglamorous. So like, it's weird because like, you're, you, the way that you look gives you a snippet of privilege, yeah. but then you have to snap back into yep. reality, right? And it was just like, it was like, I never felt comfortable in that world entirely because I was kind of just like, this isn't yeah. me. And like, you know, so much of like, I could, I, you know, academia felt like it was a bit more, of, I also felt guilty. I felt guilty. Like, uh, why am I not doing something that is, um, bettering the situation yeah. for people like me? And there was all of that kind of psychosis that came with it. Like, um, you know, looking back at everything, actually, I, one thing I wanted to do when I left school was actually be an actor. Like, I would have loved to have done I can that. see
0: you doing that. You're and very I, animated.
1: Thank you. But, like, you know what? It was just, like, it was a passion of mine. And I was just kind of, like, a lot of my friends were going to drama school. But I didn't. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Like, why didn't yeah. I? And a lot of that was kind of, one, it was probably safety. And, the, and, and as a result of not having, like, you know, um, hedge fund parents yeah. who could, like, prop me up if it didn't go it too well um and it was a security but also like i think i internalized expectations of my community of what they had from me or i i internalized the expectations my community had of me and a lot of people would say things yeah he's going to like do good things and they'd, they'd say xyz about mind. me and, and i'm so and- sorry
0: my my serious. my alexa is literally yelling at me right now i'm so sorry <laughs>
1: Oh wow! You can hear us. uh
0: Yeah, she's been listening to this entire conversation. Okay, hold. On. Okay, Alexa, stop. Okay, stop. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> He's like, take your ibuprofen right now. I was
1: like, I was getting, I was getting really emotional. Yeah. Getting and, and Alexa just had
0: to like jump in there and be like, "Hey, sorry to ruin just this moment up, for I you, up. but um, you need to take some ibuprofen right now." <laughs>
1: yeah so where where was i so basically like it was um oh man where was i
0: uh
1: you were talking
0: about kind of feeling like you wanted to be an actor and and also just kind of feel yeah oh yeah
1: so like and and i wanted to do that and why i didn't do it it was a lot of like kind of obstacles in my way in doing that so i kind of like in some way i copped out and i picked what was safe and that was like academia and like and that kind of stuff um and I kind of, I guess like, as I get older, I kind of regret that decision. I think like, especially at that time though, my thinking was there wasn't any roles for people like me anyway. So like, I would have like busted my ass to kind of like try and be in this world and I could never see myself or imagine myself or roles that I could play on TV or in the cinema. Um, but I look at where the space yeah. is now and people like, you know, and, and I just think, damn, like that would have been such a n- cool thing for me to have done. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one thing I think is it's funny. It's funny how like expectations can inform your, your yeah. life or other, other people's expectations on you. Can because you're your like, life, there's no one else doing this living. who
0: looks like me. So like, why do, why do I think that I can do yeah. this? But I think that I can definitely see where you're coming from. I mean, there's a lot of things that I wanted to do when I was younger that I just was like, Oh, I, I can't do this. So, you know, there's, there's no one like me yeah. doing this. And I think that, there's, there are parts of me that are like, Oh, I, I kind of wish that I would have explored that a little bit more given it like a shot at least. But, you know, I, I think that yeah. everything kind of happens for a reason. And I Achim. also think that like, there's this idea in society that like you, you have to be really young to to explore things in your life because once you get older, you have to be secure and you have to have this and that. But I, I just, as I'm getting older, I realize that like, this is such a fucking cliche, but like age is really just a number and there's never kind of like a an age limit for when you can explore things or when you can, you know, see, try a new career path. Like it's kind of, I don't think it's ever too late to to no, dabble in things, you know?
1: And that's what my, and that's what my YouTube channel yeah. is about, right? Like I, it was, I was 26 when I took the leap and I was just kind of like, you know what? If I don't do it now, I'm yeah. going to do it. And I kind of left everything and and started building the foundations of, this creative space menu that I yeah. started and, um, and that was kind of me saying, look, I'm going to start, I'm going to start, stop saying yeah. what if, and just kind of take ownership of like my future and, and see where it goes. From there.
0: Um, and I I think that you've, you really have created a special space for a lot of people. And like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I first started following you, I I literally was like, what the fuck is Benny? Like you would post about it, but I was like, what yeah. is Benny? Like what actually is Benny? And I looked yeah. into it and I was like, the thing that I do like about it, it's that it's, it's not just like one specific thing for one specific person. Yeah. It's, it's really just about, I feel like being creative and just, Kind of like highlighting different cultures, and and maybe that's just my interpretation of it, but that's really how I view Benny. It's just bringing people together and just kind of showing people different parts of life. With you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah, 100%. it's really just an that's eye exactly, opening thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, like it's all about cultural appreciation yeah. on a level. But for me like Benny's kind of grown organically. Yeah as an idea. And I think where it stands at the moment is that it's literally like, we call it a lab and like, it's literally a lab for figuring out what people like us, what the culture of our future will look like. Like so much of the conversation that's being had today is rooted in, um, resistance and like, um, and racialized discussions and like, um, in in conversations that aren't building the future that we want to live in. So even when we talk about diversity and the need for diversity, it will come as an, as in, it's inevitable, it will come, but what are we doing to prepare for that eventuality? Yeah. And I'm really interested in conversations with like future third culture diaspora spaces yeah. and like building an eclectic youth, modern Western youth diaspora experience that kind of answers these questions. And a lot of that is experimental. So like when I create a product or like I, I make a video, a lot of the conversations that I want to come out of them are like more future driven then kind of stuck in the loop of today where we kind of don't know where we're going beyond that conversation. So, so it's been really interesting to kind of be on the kind of forefront of figuring out, especially in London, like what that cultural movement looks like.
0: No. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like watching you navigate that space is is honestly entertaining. And I highly recommend that everyone follows you on Instagram because you're Thanks, I man. watch your stories. Like most people, I'm not gonna lie, skip through their stories <laughs> and but you're always entertaining. Like it's always very fucking entertaining. But um, on that note, I really think we should wrap up because you need to go, you know, do your Saturday night things and uh, I have to go do it. you need to go, go to, I sleep. Need to Well, I actually I'm such an asshole. I was supposed to go to my nephew's birthday party like an hour ago, but I feel like if you show up late to a little kid's birthday it's fucking fine as long as you have a gift I mean, no one cares he's not gonna remember it, it in I, 10 years he's, I mean, gonna he, it he's ten like 10 years, years old now. so he might remember it yeah, fuck I don't day. even know how old he is <laughs> I'm so sorry Zachy I don't know I have like t- 10 nieces and nephews I don't know how old anyone is anymore but yeah I have to go to a child's birthday party right now but where can people find you online and what can they expect to see from you like in the coming weeks or months or anything like that anything that you want to plug this is a great time to do it
1: Thanks. I appreciate that. So like Benny's, um, lots of movements in the next coming weeks. Um, I just finished a trip in Uzbekistan where we're starting something called the future heritage lab. And basically it looks like the the whole project, the premise behind it is how do we draw from objects of our heritage, like a hat and how do we like make it relevant and contemporary today where young people want to wear it on a Friday and Saturday night proudly for example, like uh, we follow the story of Subhi, who's basically an Australian girl, an Uzbek Australian girl, and she had this thing called a dopa, which is an Uzbek yeah. hat, um, and she used to be embarrassed wearing it, but it's a beautiful textured and embroidered hat. And she grows up and she starts to realize actually this hat, what, what, what is the meaning of this hat? And we go we go back to Uzbekistan and she learns more about the hat, and as she does it. so in that process, she learns more about her identity and herself. And then we go back, we work with local artisans to make lots of these hats but with a modern yeah. edge and then we allow young people to consume and be part of that journey where they can buy the hat and, and make it cool in their kind of local context that's what
0: you were doing that's in Uzbekistan. Cool okay so is that out yet or is yeah. it still coming soon
1: um, the hats being made they'll be ready mid-september okay. so look, look out for that you can follow me on um, instagram which is right in the nads <laughs> or benny which is benny.lab or if you just google me or my name now Mahdi, you'll be able to see all of that on youtube as well and
0: And you'll be able to find like uh, lots of other shit that he apparently was like, how the fuck did you find this? And I'm like, Oh, I found it. I Googled your name and I found (laughs) things. Um, but this has been such a fun conversation. I'm so glad we were able to do this. Um, and,
1: no, that's for asking me, Nora. It's been such a pleasure, man. I of appreciate course. it. And like I said, London, London's always open for you. Thank
0: dude. you. I definitely, I'm telling you, I'm going to take you up on that because I really, really loved London and I had a great time there and I want to go back and explore a little bit more because I was there for a week, you but I you. really, I'm like, I could stay there for much longer than that. Like there's just so much Yay. to do there. It's such a beautiful place. But um, yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Nori. You can follow the podcast.
1: Wow.